You're listening to the MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update Podcast. Earlier today, at about 3 o'clock, uh, as usual, the Monetary Policy Committee of the Reserve Bank of South Africa met, and they gave us the announcement that interest rates are going to be left unchanged. Fairly brief meeting, uh, very brief conclusion as well, and a lot of the factors that were persistent last year seems to still be concerning the Reserve Bank this year, coupled with some of the newer uh, concerns that may be coming up. Um, and this rates decision leaves us wondering, when are we going to see rate cuts? What's going to happen? and uh, how this whole thing is going to play out in an election year. I'm joined on the line by economist at PwC, Kanti Pai, to take a look at this. Kanti, good evening. Uh, haven't spoken to you in a while. Compliments of the new year. Um, inflation cooled yesterday to 5.1%, but we know that that wasn't enough. We know that's far from the midpoint range. And today, as expected, the interest rates came in unchanged. Yeah, Jim, it's very good to talk to you and good evening to the listeners. Look, uh, there are some really, really interesting things that came out today. Some of them we've been hearing, but maybe they come out much more starkly. We know certainly that, uh, you know, the, 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 the trend of the interest rate coming down has not been an even one. So that is one thing. But the, the governor really, you know, impressed upon us that actually we have a particular target. We don't have a range anymore. We have a target and that's really that 4.5%. And that's what we are trying to do and that he wants to be convinced or the, at least the MPC wants to be convinced that we are actually trailing there and we are actually secured around that number. And that's something that's uh, quite interesting in terms of what I think and I was listening to your previous interview around when we should be expecting these changes. And I think one of the things that we've been, we've been concerned about is actually are we going to be able, given all of the volatility that we face, given all of the challenges and the upside risks, and I think that's what they say, that all the risks are much of the risks are on the upside if we are looking uh, at uh, at the inflation outlook. So to think that we are actually, you know, targeting the 4.5% midpoint, that's going to be a very difficult road to travel. You say difficult road to travel, and I mean, I think I, I noted a couple of things uh, as I was listening to uh, the governor speak earlier. He said core inflation he expects uh, for the year 2024 to end around 4.6% for the year and headline to be at 5% for the year. So obviously, uh, that's, alre- that's already putting us in a difficult position. Um, but something that uh, the governor also stressed, and he stressed it so much that I had to put it out on X, uh, he said rate cuts have nothing to do with time. They are state-dependent and state State dependent. I, so he meant state of economic conditions, but I couldn't help but wonder if he's inferring uh, state in, as in fiscal policy with the budget speech coming up next month. I don't know. I, I suspect he was actually saying <laughs> if we were state dependent, that would uh, that would be very dangerous. But certainly, you're quite right that that's exactly what he said, and that was something. Um, that you know that you know we've, I mean, many of us have been trying to predict when do we start to see a decline in these rates uh, you know uh, on the horizon. I mean the horizon when you think about the horizon, I think he was also being mischievous for a while because <laughs> when you think about the horizon, you know we are talking you know in the next few quarters we don't mean in the next long time. But he certainly was wanted to impress upon us that actually what is going to help us here is that we start to see that inflation um, start to really, the trend. I mean, he talks about the trend. He says, as we look at the trend, it does not give us uh, the, 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 you know, the comfort. It doesn't give them at least the comfort that actually we are securely on a downward, on a downward range. But at the same time, he does say, and I think you're quite right when he says, you know, we know where core inflation is. And so core inflation looks like it's stabilizing. For the past two months at least, you've seen it at 4.5%. Their outlook is 4.5, 4.6. Goods inflation at 4.5. 
you know, that 4.8 that we're looking at in terms of, uh, you know, the more the volatile uh, energy prices and everything else that we see on uh, on headline inflation. So, look, the thing is, is that today didn't leave me as hopeful as I was about the early, you know, the, the you know, this the third to the fourth quarter kind of cuts. We we were looking for the second quarter and third quarter at Peter's in terms of starting to see those cuts. It didn't leave us very, very confident in terms of that because it seems that really our target is one that's going to be difficult to catch. Especially because uh, I mean he talks about here that all prices are generally high at eighty dollars. Now we know um, you know me and probably remember days of hundred and twenty dollars in oil prices. Hundred and thirty so at high. some point. <laughs> exactly. So if this is generally high and he's concerned about this, um, you know we've been able to climb above these numbers quite 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 easily. Um, and then, of course, you know, many people underestimate some of the volatility that we face because of these weather patterns and the climate change that we're facing in terms of what we could see in the agricultural sector. So, I mean, uh, the, what we are seeing now from uh, from farmers, what they are actually projecting in terms of their output um, is fairly comforting. Uh, in terms of what we're probably going to look like, in terms of what we're going to see in the sector, and therefore uh, that you know slowing down of of of, uh, of food prices, but it's it's not fair complete. There is still many many risks to the outlook. Anything can happen, and that's really the concern. That actually the whole thing about climate change, that with the, the changing weather patterns, the changing climate, is that we are no longer able to predict as as well as we could in, in, in years gone by. And that's really the risks, that the kinds of risks that you're facing at the moment. Kanti, mm. let's stick with the risks, right? So we've mentioned the macro risks, the global risks, the geopolitical risks around the world, but there are obviously f- uh, risks that are within South Africa that have been flagged um, by the governor in the past and in this meeting. And those risks, I wonder, do you think that we will get uh, those risks addressed next month when we have our budget speech? And what are those risks that really do need to be addressed fundamentally in order for us to see a significant shift um, in our conditions, in the growth conditions um, that will in turn lead to everything else, hopefully. You don't want this to be an easy interview, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Look, there are a, a number of things. Uh, I think in terms of the budget, there are some concerns. One of the things that we know is that the government has been very clear that they are looking to take some of that debt off from ESCOM, some of that debt off from Transnet and actually from municipalities, but they've got conditions. Now, will those conditions be met? Because that's really the key thing here, is that it's not it's no use. Um, you know, saving these uh, corporations and trying to support them and supporting municipalities to be able to be able to borrow on their own, to restructure their balance sheet, to be able to do better if they don't stick to the conditions that their treasury is putting upon them, because those conditions are not just, you know, those old IMF conditions that are sort of punitive. They're not punitive, but they're actually intended to help them restructure and to perform better. And so is the Treasury then in a position to enforce those? That's one risk that we're facing because actually what we want is not so much the concern uh, of you know our debt and what they are taking on, but that they actually start to perform to support growth because the way we want, the way to actually bring down um, these ratios with debt to GDP or uh, expenditure to GDP, all of that relates to whether or not we can grow the economy. And so that's a major, major thing, that they actually at some point start to contribute to growth. And because if they don't, uh, actually we start to accumulate debt and we are not, uh, and then that has all sorts of implications in terms of our, our ratings and certainly in terms of the trust and the confidence that we enjoy from investors. And as the governor said today, 
um, that you know we are borrowing at levels of twelve percent, you know, at twelve percent for long-term debt. I mean, even I'm borrowing at twelve percent, and I'm not the government. So these are the <laughs> kinds of problems <laughs> that um, the, the kinds of risks that you're facing. And then, of course, um, you know, of course, the exchange rate. Uh, I mean, the the things that you talked about around the mining sector. We know that the mining sector is an important. Um, uh, uh, sector in terms of attracting uh, imports and basically trying to balance our, uh, our, our, uh, our trade deficit. And if we don't do that well, we are going, and then uh, that's going to obviously pressure the exchange rate and that will also lead to more inflation. So there's a number of things. And, uh, and I think at PwC we've been talking about this for some time, that actually it's all about much ma- ma- managing a world of polycrisis. And this is what all of these people have to do. And that's why uh, the 4.5% target is such a scary thing to face. Ganti says the government's biggest risk is the government itself. Uh, I put it more eloquently than that, but that's what it boils down to. The government needs to make tough decisions, and whether or not they are capable and willing to do that remains to be seen. We will all be waiting with bated breath for that. Uh, Ganti, I want to look at the uh, Reserve Bank changes uh, before we look at the uh, GFACRA account, right? So Reserve Bank changes, we got the announcement that uh, David Folks has joined the MPC committee now. The MPC committee is back at five members, but we also got a very clear uh, confirmation from uh, the governor that this is not a replacement for uh, former Deputy Governor Kuber Naidu. That replacement is still yet to come when the president of South Africa deems that that replacement should be appointed. So we could realistically be facing a situation where we have six members on the MPC uh, committee. I wonder... When was the last time this has happened, and how will this shape up uh, in terms of influencing that side of the the decision making process going forward? Maybe. So we are really in unfamiliar territory. I mean, I don't remember this time, mm. and I've been on this field for quite some time. But one of the things that we really have to focus on is that we have to really focus on the institution. I mean, there's been lots of talks over time, you know, whether or not this governor will stay, whether this governor will live, but actually that we need to focus on the institution and actually establish and ascertain whether or not we are confident that the institution is about a person or people or itself is actually good enough. So the MPC itself is strong enough and that these discussions, I thought that was very one of the things that was quite encouraging uh, is the language that we've seen in the past two meetings that help us because there's been a lot of, you know, a digression amongst MPC members, which is good, of course, for debate, but certainly a digression in terms of their decisions around policy, you know, where, but now we're starting to see those sort of, you know, unanimous decisions. That's encouraging because it says that there's something here that we can look forward to, that they're all in the same kind of place, maybe they're kind of thinking, but that's not the main thing to, to you know, to be happy about, but that it tells us there's certain, a level of direction that we can look forward to because all we want to do is be able to forecast where they are thinking and what they are thinking is about and how they are coming to these decisions. But certainly the main thing that we have to, because the credibility of the institution is not in the individuals that are in the institution, but actually that the, all of them working together allows us to get the right kinds of outcomes, the independence that's there. And it doesn't seem to me at all um, that there is a threat to the independence of the institution uh, at all at the moment. And so we should really uh, be careful not to, to you know, to over to over. Uh, emphasize, you know, one member not being there as if actually that uh, isn't something that affects the credibility and the stability of the institution. I think that's one area where we should be focused, we should be careful not to.
Mm-hmm. And anyone that would have doubted our Reserve Bank governor, I mean, I'm sure he can hold his head up high with his team, the way in which they've managed to um, rein in and anchor inflation as compared to any other, uh, whether you're looking at emerging economy or developed economy, uh, the manner in which our Reserve Bank handled inflation has to be commended. Uh, and we might be feeling the pinch, we might be feeling the pain now, but I imagine the situation would have been considerably worse if we had let inflation run away. Speaking of independence, Let's look at the GFACRA account, the Gold and Foreign Reserve, uh, Foreign Exchange Contingency Reserve account. Um, on that, we didn't hear anything about that. We know Treasury's been in conversation with the Reserve Bank about this. There's been um, confirmations that there is a conversation happening, whether it's to draw down on that or not. Do you think the Reserve Bank governor intentionally steered away from that or didn't mention anything around that um, for or to leave it rather to the finance minister to deal with when he delivers the budget next month? Certainly, uh, that's not the right platform, I think, for that part of convers- for that sort of conversation, right? Because it's not relevant um, as much to the Monetary Policy Committee. Although um, we also know, though, that these reserves are important uh, in terms of the confidence that we have uh, on the currency. They do anchor us in some important way. But at the same time, this probably is not the right platform, or at least the right occasion. Uh, to have been able to to raise that, but certainly he's he's been very clear uh, about his concerns regarding that, um, and it's something that certainly um, that needs to be engaged. Um, but it is something that really the the treasurer has to speak to, uh, and that is that separation between the two of them, that level of independence. But that engagement, but that does um, also signal an important thing about whether we're not there are the kinds of conversations that you know that are not so much coordination. But the um, what do we the English word now? But that that they are consulting each other, that they have conversations, that there is advice, for example, that comes from the Reserve Bank into uh, into the Treasury around, you know, we advise against this, we advise, and I mean today he actually said it quite clearly because some people haven't heard it. Where he says we actually would we advise. This is the advice we are giving to government around how we are going to be able to manage inflation, how we're going to be able to manage the economy. Um, and so that advice, the Reserve Bank is required to give their eye and advisor to the government. And so in one way or the other, hopefully one, when they are sitting together, that they are getting that sort of advice around how to handle those reserves in a manner uh, that does, uh, you know, infuse the stability that we need in our system, especially on the exchange rate. But that at the same time, the government is free, obviously, because these are by and large their resources. So that is a complicated thing. But again, it really does speak very, very much to this idea that we are actually trading very, very difficult terms, very, very, you know, uh, slippery territory, and that you know our leaders are going to have to spend a lot of time thinking very seriously and very carefully about the decisions they make at this time. And I know you and I are going to have very painful discussions about this come the 21st of February when that budget speech is delivered. But we will save our pain for that for another day. Thanks so much, Kanti. That's Kanti Pai, who is the economist at a PWC, uh, sharing his thoughts on a today's uh, MPC decision to leave the repo rate unchanged and leave your lending rate unchanged as well. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update podcast. Uploaded weekdays at 7 p.m. For more MoneyWeb podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.